Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing My Application to Heaven by Page 99, featuring Blake Midget on vocals. My band Keiki Obadi played a show with Page 99 almost 20 years ago, but this is the first time I've chatted with him since. I didn't really I didn't really have much interest in music when I was uh, young young okay um, my brother did he was kind of the uh, musician in the family uh-huh. and like I, I was just kind of on my own most of the time um, what were you it into? wasn't in, um, running around the woods comic books and stuff but yeah. Um, what kind of comics? I was did you probably, read? you know, standard stuff. When I when, when I was a kid, it was like, you know, you have like, it was all superheroes. Yeah, there wasn't really other stuff to to find. Like I was a big fan of Captain America, uh-huh. um, X Men, New Mutants. Um, yeah. I liked Power Pack. That was a guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah. But that was even before like the fun indie comics. It was just Marvel and DC. Period. Uh huh. Did you stick with comics at all? Like, do you still read or? Not so much anymore. Um, I had, I, I kind of go in and out in life. I liked a lot of the stuff Garth Ennis did. Yeah. You know, everybody got into Preacher. Um, I went back and cherry picked some of Alan Moore's stuff. Um, but uh, mostly like, you know, if somebody's like, here's a really good book to pick up. I'll read that series. Like I read a bunch of the hundred bullets stuff, mm-hmm. some why the last man. Yeah. That's my favorite. Um, yeah. It was, I was, that was good for, I got, I've read a couple other graphic novels of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite and, uh, comic of all time. Why the last man. Is it really? I yeah. never finished it. It's I cry every time I finish it. It's I just, I don't know. So good. I should give it a, a rewatch. Because like about the same time I started reading The Boys, um, I was I was reading Why the Last Man. I was like, oh shit, this is what a contrast. immediately gratifying to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, quite a contrast. But yeah, I I enjoyed both those series. Um, the Boys was was obviously wild, and um, but it, yeah. yeah, and there was just like I don't really know like if. I don't really know if it's just the way that the way that Garth Ennis always like separates all his stories into like there's a main story and then there's like all these miniseries. But the boys was just like it was it was like there were so many miniseries coming out, but the actual series like just wouldn't wrap up. So it was kind of it was kind of weird. It felt like it went on a little bit too long yeah. as opposed to like if 
if it was all coming out like a, in a more linear way, then it, you know, would have, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, sorry to get sidetracked there, but no, no, I, I get it. When you start talking about comics, then it's like, oh, okay. Um, that's like music and my family and comics. That's me. And yeah, I mean, it's every, every single thing was just like, I need something to escape where I am. So music, yeah. comics, art in general, uh-huh. um, music stuff, actually, like I didn't really listen to anything. So I'm like, my mom was talented musically, but she never really sang in the house and we had a piano that she never really played. Um, so it was like my my first exposure to, to music was like through drugs, really. Yeah. I would started smoking weed with, uh, you know, I, I started smoking weed and then a group of friends that I made, like my first like solid like like healthy friends group which i would say like was when i was like 15 or 16 and like we would all listen to you know nirvana and primus and um that was kind of the start of listening to metal um and i went from a weird divergence where it was like just gangster rap on one side and then uh like slayer exhorter and then um Really, when I started hanging out with uh, J.R. Hayes from Pig Destroyer a lot, he just like, like it gave me tons and tons of music to like. And around that time was when I started being friends with the Taylor Brothers, and they opened me up the whole world of punk as well. Yeah. But like J.R. Hayes is like giving me a mixtape with like Discordance Axis. The next song would be Nick Cave and then Leonard Cohen and the Afghan wigs and back to like, uh, napalm death. Pretty wild stuff. Yeah. That, that, that sounds like a good time. I love that. Like, um, that like, you know, mid, mid to late nineties and making a, <laughs> yeah. a mixtape that had like slant six, but also jawbreaker and, yeah. um, Asu yep. and like everything else. Um, yeah, that's, uh, and you always know, like try to title it something like, really significant you know and you see it later 20 years <laughs> later you're like oh fuck what was wrong with me you know why did i call this <laughs> just, just <laughs> title it remember this time yeah 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 it's called songs that are beyond meaning or you know i don't know um so you were like yeah. just like just you know hit with just like everything from from all sides and just like discovering music like um and uh and and substances um were you were were all these people like playing in bands like while you're you know becoming friends with them already or is this like this whole road to that uh well jr back then i knew he sang for a grindcore band called enemy soil but it was like nothing i had never seen them play before um in the very beginning and then uh when i became friends with the taylor brothers uh, they were in a band called Nitpick, which was just kind of like a like a grungy uh, but really catchy like horror punk band, I guess you'd call. I don't know. Okay. Um, and they actually wrote a song about me because they would come into my job and I'd give them free food because they made fun of the other customers, and they were <laughs> hilarious. So, 
said, the song um, was they, about you giving them free food? Yeah, I think those are the actual lyrics for works at Roy's for that he is good, gives us free food for that he is good. Okay, awesome. And then they just said my name, Blake, a bunch of times. And I was like, well, this is great. And then, um, so we started hanging out, and eventually I joined that band, but uh, Mike was like, whereas JR was like, you know, kind of dark uh, post-punk stuff and, and extreme metal. Mike was like his whole, like he was into like tons and tons of indie rock, but also just the best punk in the world, like Born Against and, you know, uh, Ink and Dagger was the thing he introduced me to early on. It just, it was all over the place. Yeah. So between the two of them, like I never had a want for, for new bands at that point. And, you know, once I was playing shows, uh, once I joined Nitpick, then everything kind of took off. And, like, it went from music being, like, something I listened to, like, in the back of my friend's car when we were getting high to, like, I would sit in a room with friends and listen to music and think about it and started, like, picking up zines and trying to find new bands to, sh to like, share with other people in the back of Maximum Rock and Roll and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Did you, um, but I, you, I really like, it was like 18 or 19 by the time I was like really getting into music for the first time in my life, which is late and weird, but yeah. Well, I mean, did you ever like before, before someone asked you into the band or, or I don't know how it happened or if you just like, sort of were like, I'll do it. Um, but um, before that, did you ever imagine yourself playing in a band, like even as a kid or anything like that? For sure. I mean, I always liked the idea of playing in a band, but like I, I had never thought I was good at anything like musically, you know. Right. I never my brother played guitar, but I, like he would never let me play his guitar. And like I would sing along to stuff, but by myself, like it wasn't something I would do in front of anybody else. Yeah. And then by the time I started expressing like interest in playing in bands to some friends, they were just like, no, <laughs> you're not good. Like before you. So met. there was, uh, I mean, before I started, before I started singing with nitpick, it was just like, it was like an idea of like, I would love to be in a band. I had no idea how to make that happen. Yeah. And, uh, and I just like, there wasn't really, you know, nobody was like, hey, we should play music together ever until the Taylor Brothers. Um, that was pretty much how that all got started. That's awesome. Were you trying to, mm -hmm. were you also trying to play instruments at that time? Or you're just like, I, this is what I wanted. I always wanted to be the singer and now I'm... Uh, when I started singing with Nitpick, um, that was just vocal stuff. Uh -huh. And then, you know, like bands too, we had the, that band broke up. Me and Mike had a falling out and I quit. And we had had a really like problems, like getting like the, the Kane brothers were in also. And I think Eric was, Eric and Jeff were in another band called Turbine. It was kind of falling apart anyway. But when that band broke up, I like picked up a guitar and started trying to learn how to play. Um, and then before, like right when, uh, right about the time Paige and I was getting together, I had written some songs 
and went over to Mike's house. Like I was working as a carpet cleaner. So like I had done a job near his house and I went over to his place and like, we kind of buried the hatchet and talked about doing music again. And I was like, here, let me show you some riffs I wrote. He's like, oh, and then he took, he's like, let me show you some stuff I wrote. And I was like, okay, well, you're going to play guitar in this. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just like, he's, Mike is one of the most insanely, for he's, he's an incredibly talented guitar player. Yeah. It, he's just always had a vision of what he wants to do. And I was like, nah, you're on this. Yeah. And you said that, so that was kind of the beginning of page 99 then? Yeah. And so like, how did you start? I mean, you, so you're just showing each other riffs and you're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. But how did you like start getting other people involved in the project? Was it just like, we know all these people or was it? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's Mike and, and me were like, let's do it. And then like Chris, of course we, we knew would be on board. Um, and then it was just a matter of putting some other people together. Like, uh, once Mike said he was on board, I found us a drummer who was, uh, Johnny was the little brother of my girlfriend, one of my girlfriend's best friends. Like it was just on a whim. We were at, I was at, um, a Christmas party at their, at, their house and Johnny was like a younger punk. Um, but he had, he had music, he had instruments set up in his room and we literally just went downstairs and started joking around. I think we were jamming on firestorm just to be like funny. And, but Johnny was like, he's just natural drummer. And I was like, do you want to be a nitpick part two or whatever it is? And he was like, yep. So I think Mike added George and I got this dude TL to play bass. And that was that. Okay. So what, so, so what were we up to at this point? Like, um, the, the, the standard, like two guitars, bass, drums, and vocal. Yeah, it was just, it was two guitar players, bass, drummer, and then two singers. Oh, we had had, uh, when, when I joined nitpick like full time, we had two singers and it's kind of like, I don't know, me and Chris have always worked well together and, Right. Uh, it was honestly like the bands that I had done after that. It was super weird to try and do vocals without him, huh. or like just to have somebody to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing. A lot of bands after after Page Nine Nine, nobody really gave a shit what you sing. It's like you're the singer. Like like they care about guitar parts or whatever. Like we were writing that stuff. But like. When it came to vocals, it always seemed like an afterthought for, for most people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I always like try to, I mean, I've written songs all different kinds of ways. I have written songs, vocals first, which is like something that mm -hmm. surprises people sometimes, I guess. But like, I mean, I've always thought like that if you, like if you have just like songs that if you didn't even need vocals and they'd still be worth listening to, then like imagine how good they're going to be with the vocals. So I think maybe that's yeah. like some people's rationale with like, you know, it's like, well, as long as we make it good before the vocals are even there, then <clears throat> yeah, then, then, you know, whatever anybody does is just going to like add to that. Um, but, but, 
that that's how it seemed like for everybody uh and for me too yeah. when i was younger but the funny thing is like as, as i've gotten older now like i my favorite i copy music like i mm-hmm. don't i it can be challenging it's fine but like something with a good vocal hook in it like I've, i listened to so much 80s and 70s 70s and 80s music like little river band and the cars and just mm-hmm. stuff that kind of spans like like i love like new wave 80s and big hair 80s uh stuff like you know kaja gugu and all that but mm-hmm. stuff that like kind of went through the the smooth um really just beautifully put together instrumental part of the 70s into like just bubblegum pop 80s stuff that's that's my shit yeah yeah well i mean and that's kind of what i've been trying to emulate lately yeah it's like it's kind of like the thing in comics too where it's like you can have a really great fucking story and you can have artwork that's like sort of like just filling the need and that can be like a great comic or you can have mm-hmm. like great fucking artwork and a story that's kind of not that great and it still be a great fucking mm-hmm. comic. It's like similar, like you can have just like a really bare bones song, but if these vocal hooks are there, like it's going to carry that. And so like same with vice versa, especially like maybe with like a lot of screamy stuff because, you know, you in theory, you, you know, don't understand what someone's necessarily saying so the music has to be that that voice you know in addition to yeah. the voices so like yeah i've always i always thought of it that way where it's like yeah i mean this part of this song might just be like these three chords and it might not seem like much but you might have another guitar that does something that's way cooler or you might have that vocal line like you said where it's just like okay yeah. that's the thing that makes the song and i don't know that's why just i just like i'm so i i mean i've been playing music a long time like you know as as long as you and it's like it's one of those things like i i don't ever see this not fascinating me you know like just because of that yeah it's it's insane like like you're constantly writing new stuff on your own some good some bad some you think is great some is forgettable but it's it's a process you can continue doing your whole life and then the other thing is like you know it's just something like a riff you might just shit out and be like this is whatever and then somebody else hears it and writes something to it that you didn't hear in your head at the time it's like well that's amazing now yeah 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 it's um it's it's really it's really it's really wild how like something can just change the very like nature of like we just like my friend and I just did this thing and we had these guitar parts and we got drums and we sent them to Tom Schlatter to put bass on them and it's like when the when it comes back with the bass on it we're like it goes from like okay this sounded like a happy song before and now it sounds fucked mm-hmm. up like but in a good way you know like <laughs> in the best way but yeah it's just exactly like you said it's like it, it can any particular thing can turn it on its ear and it's i don't know it's amazing to sit there and... bass especially it's such an under like underappreciated instrument 
Yeah. It's just like, but it's like, it's it's basically the, the just important as vocals. It's it's just, a melody to a rhythm that can that can literally carry a whole song. Yeah, it can set the tone too. Like, absolutely, it can set. It can change the tone. It can. I don't know. It's awesome. Um, it can take a boring song and make you dance your ass off to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
so from the beginning of page 99 and until like what what happened to where y'all were getting some songs together and then you're like wait a minute let's just have like fucking three guitar players two bass players like what was the thing there was it just like trying to create this massive wall of sound or just like nah. just like a dog pile on the stage I mean, honest, the we just wanted our friends, more of our friends to be in the band with us, really. Okay. Um, the first, I think the first person we added might have been Corey. Uh, we got a second bass player. Um, no, we added a third guitar player. And then our friend Corey um, was also a good bass player. Uh, he... We just were like, fuck it. We threw him in the band, too. So we got, now we have three guitar players because it was funny. And then we had another bass player. Uh, and then the first, the original bass player quit. Uh, he hated the idea of another bass player, I believe. And he also hated our vocals. Also, he was just kind of a prick. But he quit the band and Corey was in. And then at that point, um, we had we had talked to one of our friends, uh, Brandon Evans, uh, who was in Kalara and at the time was playing in a band called Monotonous Fuck, which would be kind of kind of become the basis of City of Caterpillar. Um, he came to the studio with us to do some vocals on Document Seven, and um, he was like, we were like hey our bass player at the time had the van and we were like hey brandon can we like rent your van from you he's like you can take it uh if i can join the band and play bass and i was just like yeah that sounds like a great trade <laughs> so, i mean brandon we had already been like i mean the dude was in Colara, which was huge for us it's like just a you know just sick richmond metal band um and it was kind of like so we just stayed with that lineup the whole way through it just that it just felt right mm. yeah we um, it was never about like a wall of sound it was actually i think it was kind of annoying to be like okay we wait we got to write another goddamn part for this stuff <laughs> that we know like i was in this band around that same time uh called dance and destroy and and um one of the guitar players in Dance and Destroy, like, when we became... I like that name a lot, by the way. Oh, thanks. When we became aware of, of Page 99, we were like, the guitar player was like, there's a band with, like, fucking nine people in it or whatever, and, 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 and he was like, we have to have nine people. And I was like, well, we, we're, we're already six people. You know, and we kept we kept trying to get like it was it was like a, a competition that you y'all you know never even knew about until now. It was it was like, and <laughs> like our whole shit was just like yeah, like how many people can we get rolling around on the floor on top of each other and shit? You know, like we because none of us were good at our instruments like uh, until later. Sure. Like, um, when when Alex Bond got in the band, then one of us was good, uh, <laughs> and that was it. But uh, yeah, but um, yeah. Um, I mean, that's every ska band had us all beat anyway. Yeah, for sure. I mean, geez, like 
just just like just um say you're starting a ska band and then when all the uh people show yeah, I mean, their I, trumpets and stuff just hand them a bass you know instead i would have loved to have a horn section in page 99 that would have been awesome that would have been wild where <laughs> where <laughs> where would you put um where would you put horns and what horns in um by the fireplace where would you I mean that song has so much open space in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's anywhere. Just do it. I would just say. Just do it. A clarinet for sure. Um, something droney, uh, trombone, and maybe. Shit, I don't know. I guess we'd have to go saxophone. <laughs> Get it in there. Yeah, well, that'd be wild. Oh, flugelhorn! <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody, make this happen. I mean, you know, somebody's listening. Somebody can do this. Um, just throw <laughs> yeah, it, throw sure, it on there. Throw it on there. Um, yeah. So uh, we um, we played we played a show together at the Brick House. That was that was like. 2000 um but y'all in louisville yeah yeah it was um it was my band wow keiki obadi uh i don't know if you remember tommy tommy was like friends with everyone um uh, i i don't remember much of those times <laughs> personally yeah it was a good time but um i was gonna say that y'all were already you know going at it for quite a while at that point um when did page 99 like do when did y'all do your first tour pretty soon um we i mean our first show was in uh, we had the first show we got to play was kind of nuts it was a an out-of-town show uh we played in philly at at stalag 13 it was a legendary shitty squad place um and we got to play it was enemy soil Pig Destroyer, Cattle Press, and then uh, Burn the Priest, who became, um, fuck. What's that band with uh, Randy Blythe in it? Oh, I don't, I don't know anyone. It's, like, it's a super famous metal band now. Um, like, play with Mastodon and all them shits. Um, Randall Blythe, uh, I can Google it. Whatever, but, yeah. And then then uh, a band called Zed. It was a big, big show. And then the next show we played was with Pig Destroyer and Cattle Press and in Winchester. And so it was like right off the bat we were playing out of town shit because you couldn't really get shows in D.C. at the time unless you were an indie rock band and like there was no shows in Northern Virginia. So we mostly played in Baltimore and uh, Baltimore and Richmond. But we were, you know, TL had a van. So right off the bat, like, I think first summer we were a band. We went on tour, uh, did an East Coast swing. And then I think the wintertime, we we were starting to get a little bit of buzz and we flew out to the West Coast and did like a, a little swing with Benum and a couple. Uh, we had to play with like Dystopia and a few of those bands, Newth Crush. Um and then this, then 
summer after that, I think was our first like full U.S. tour. Like we didn't really waste much time. We just started putting out records, writing music, and going for it. Yeah. Um, what? What? How many of the did the entire band go on the on the full U.S. Yeah. And so, uh, so it's eight eight of you, or were there extra people? I think the first full U.S. tour was would just be shit. I don't know, man. <laughs> but it could have been seven. It could have been eight. Was I mean that many people on tour? How long were y'all out? Uh, month, month and a half. Where was it? Like you know, enough to circle the country. Yeah. Oh, it was miserable. It was miserable. I mean, we we um, when we had Brandon's van, there was just a, there was a loft with a giant space underneath uh, that we called the ass, and we had all our stuff in a trailer so we could all fit in there. But like, if you got down in the ass, there was that was, like you couldn't get out until yeah. the van stopped. There was no moving around the van. You're just stuck down there. That was pretty miserable. Um, and then after that, we got our own van that we built bunks into the backs. There was four separate single bunks. And then you could lay uh, on the floor in between them. And there was a bench seat that could fit three. And then driver, passenger, and then you'd have somebody sitting on the floor between the two seats. Because we'd have like eight of us in a roadie. Um and then to just pick up friends and let them jump in the van too. Yeah. I mean, it was fucking crowded in there. Yeah. That first U.S. tour was what you were describing before, where it's like however many of you crammed underneath the bunk and then some people elsewhere, um, and you did the whole the whole country like that. Uh. I want to say yes. It might have we might have just done like a it, like again. It's I'm not the best one to remember stuff because it's more like I remember times, places, and feelings. Yeah, but I was also on a pretty substantial amount of drugs and booze. Yeah, the whole time. Um, what were the highlights of that first U.S. tour? Honestly. Uh, the, the feeling I get is just like it would being amazed that we're just like a bunch of white trash kids from a, a nowhere town um, that are actually just, you know, doing anything other than having jobs. Yeah. You know, like we were all like some of us. Johnny was still in high school. A couple of us were in college, like community college or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think just George was. But the rest of us, like I was working part time at a photo lab. I think Mike was working at his uh, at a daycare as a cook. As some of us didn't even have jobs, like we go on the road, just broke as fuck. Like you have to bum cigarettes off people, and he'd get his food wherever we could. It was like, I mean, it was miserable. We were all broke. It was really uncomfortable. We're all just sleeping on floors and stuff wherever we could. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it was an escape. Yeah, we were all like. This is a group of kids that became super close friends. 
just traveling around the uh, around the world, like seeing other states and you know, people would show up to see us play and like talk to us about stuff. Like it was just it was all kind of unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. That any of it turned out at all like it did. And um we're just really humbled to like be able to play music and and make a connection with people all over the country. You know, it just to me it was kind of like I guess I would say the highlight would be like there's me out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Not just like the the five or ten friends in my hometown, like every city we went to, there was a couple kids like you know, seeing their bands playing and knowing that that's an actual thing. It was pretty awesome to like just be a part of a community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and especially like before the internet really connected people, like Mike would straight, like we would, he would like look in the, he would like do stuff up, book your own fucking life, you know, uh-huh. just looking up addresses in the back of, of zines. <laughs> people that set up shows and like right like calling their house phone and be like hi is john here do you set up so it was nuts yeah yeah and then of course as you're doing it you pick up more contact info and make friends with people and then bands that you play with will share contact information with other people but before you could just like email everybody or just go on Facebook and say, Hey, I'm booking a tour who lives in Galveston. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it was a lot of work. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I don't even know how many people's like moms that I talk to. And so you call and first, before you say anything, <laughs> yeah. you're getting like that. I'm going to probably be talking to somebody's mom voice, you know? So you're like, hi is a, uh, you know, whatever. And, uh, and then no, no, he's not here or she's not here. And then you're like, okay, thank you so much. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> like, do you want to leave a message? No, yeah. it's weird if I do. <laughs> Like getting food where you could and stuff. I was reminded of this one time that we played in um, in Starksville, Mississippi, and someone made this uh, bread that had uh, seaweed in it and stuff. And our drummer at that time... It does not sound bad. No, it, 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 it wasn't. I mean, like, at the time, I think my palate was not as adventurous, you know, so I didn't really, uh, for sure. I didn't mess with that as much, but our drummer at the time was like in the worst shape out of all of us financially. And, um, the, the only reason that that was significant is because of how much we impressed on him that he needed to have just money to eat, 
you know? And he, and he didn't. Uh, so it was like, <laughs> it was super like, we're like, we told you and you came and you're borrowing money from us on the first day. Like, what is this? But anyway, um, so this person in Starksville like made this bread that had, um, seaweed in it and, uh, the, and, and they gave it to him because he was like, oh, I'm so hungry. And they were like, oh, just take the rest of this bread. And so it was this weird, like, um, for a couple of days after, like, is this, is this bread going bad or, you know, like, cause it's so, there's so much Or does cream. it just smell like it's supposed to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so is this real, like, like, is this, is this mold? Is this mold or is that seaweed? You know? And like, I'm like, I don't know. Um, do, did you have any, any experiences like that? Like, cause I've also heard of like, I've heard of like people having like, just like half of a ham on their like dashboard, just crazy shit. So, uh, any any uh, weird? No, we we were. <laughs> I think the weirdest stuff about food was just like people's dietary restrictions. Yeah, you know, you tour. It's like you're touring with like some vegans, some vegetarian, some just like dude will just eat anything, and mm -hmm. then I mean, the, like we, I had a dude get super mad at me because I didn't know he he was vegan, and we cooked like. I got a bunch of hamburger meat in Florida and like we made burgers and this dude lost it on me. He's like, those were virgin pants. You need to replace that. I'm like, I'm oh. sorry, dude. Like I, I will wash the hell out of them. But like, I cannot afford to replace your pants. And he got really heated with me. And I was like, well, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to try and fight me? Cause that's really stupid. Like, I don't know. Yeah. That was like, that was like the weirdest food thing that happened. Yeah. Um, but, you know, generally, like... That's weird that they We were all pretty smart about stuff. We'd get, like, a, a, a loaf of bread and some peanut butter and jelly. Just have that on hand if somebody needed something. Yeah. We all were pretty well fed. It's really weird that somebody who was, like, that... Who was that like worried about the pan and i mean i'm not like trying to say either way about that but like if you if that was me because i I've, I've been that person before and people were like can i use yeah. these pans then i i would tell them like yes for this no that kid his kid, it was just kid like, wasn't home oh okay okay so like i could like, like his actually like and i weirdly enough like uh my friend richie who became a barber my like he would like do cut my hair but I lived in Brooklyn. Uh, he lived in that house. and He remembers that roommate. He's like, yeah, that dude kept saying he was going to fight you. And I was like, you really shouldn't do that. That guy's huge. Um, like he talked the kid, the roommate out and tried to hit me. But it was like, a, he wasn't there. And his, the other, like, there was so many of us. It was hard to keep track of. Mm. It's like, all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, you guys can crash at my house. And then there's, then there's 45 of us just walking around. Your house, like, <laughs> can I take a shower? Do you have laundry? Can I have some socks? Do you have anything to smoke? Like, just there's a lot of us, you know. So it's hard to keep track. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yes. Yeah, um, what? So, y'all were 
y'all were touring and putting out like um, all kinds of records and um, being like uh, getting like to know like all these different bands. Um, what um like how how this is something I was always curious about because you know we are talking about uh, the the time you know booking tours like before um the internet was like handily available to everyone and stuff but like y'all were one of the first bands that i heard of that um toured europe and stuff back then how did how did that be, mm -hmm. how did that get arranged like in the time you know the time before um i mean we had a couple couple of the virginia bands who had done it oh, okay um and we're pretty like strike anywhere had gone over there. So I know we had some contact, um, of just like different, um, booking agencies over there. Like you would kind of like, you like you, if they, I think at the time what would happen is like, you would just contact somebody over there. And if they had heard of you or like liked you, they would set up your tour for you and like get you a van and, but you had to kind of work out the details with drivers and pay them, um, which all of our shit went horribly sideways, which is want to happen. Um, but I like we had played a couple shows with Morser when they were over here, um, so they put in good words for us, and we played a ton of shows in Germany over there. Um, but yeah, it was just it. I mean, to me, it seems like it all just fell in place. I'm sure it was a ton of work on Mike's part because he was like, I would schmooze people and like get contact information at shows and like to meet new bands if we wanted to play with them. I was just really good at meeting people, but Mike was like, that dude put in a just a fucking tremendous amount of work, um, booking shows and everything else. Yeah. So you said that uh, everything went sideways when you went over there was that like uh vehicle issues or was it yeah we lost a driver that we we had some disagreements with oh. um and he took his van his like he had a really nice like big sprinter with like bunks in it and like a table and chairs and shit mm -hmm. and a fridge and we lost that um and then we had to rent a tiny little stick shift uh, mercedes-benz cargo van to put all eight of us in and that we you know lost the room for all the backline stuff we had so we went from having like good gear and a good comfortable van and a driver to just back to just us eight assholes with directions that were sensibly just drive towards the town when you get to the center of the town ask somebody where the club is <laughs> And I mean, like, you know, I, I had had a suspended license at the time. Um, so, I, I mean, I was driving around Europe on a <laughs> suspended and expired American license. Um, so it was like me and George did the bulk of the driving. And we never knew where the fuck we were going. It was just like, like, it just we didn't have any handlers. We weren't like you know we were we weren't culturally like, well traveled we've been around the states 
but yeah. we were still like more or less just Virginia trash. And we, we, we weren't aware of like local customs and, you know, the different, like we hadn't to top it off. We had German license plates. So everybody in Europe hated us. Like if you would like, excuse me, they're like, fuck you. Like they, everybody dislikes Germans over there. Um, it was just, it was a, it was an experience, man. We were all like early 20 year old kids. Just like, okay. And you know, it, it, that's where the band broke up, but. Right. That's yeah. That's, that's really wild. Like, uh, yeah, we, we've been over there a couple of times and it's like, we basically, you know, we knew, we knew a band that some friends of ours also knew. And so we were like, and then we went over with them and then we became friends with them. So it's like, I, <coughs> they, they're all like very, well-traveled, uh, uh, you know, um, yeah. in Europe and stuff as well. So it's like, I can't, I mean, I don't know. I also am like very, um, I also have like a lot of social anxiety and like, y you know, just some general issues about like, um, being in cities and stuff. Uh, so mm -hmm. I never really go anywhere by myself. Um, but I can't imagine just like me and like say that first band, that band I was talking about earlier, where the drummer didn't was eating this potentially moldy bread. Like I can't imagine mm -hmm. us being in Europe, like just like not knowing what the hell to do. But uh, yeah. Um, so you know, obviously, fast forwarding uh, quite a bit um, to when the band uh, decided to get back together and start playing some shows. Um, so that was like 2000, like 17. Is that, is that right? I, yeah, it sounds all right. And um, what was we, um, I'm sorry. sorry I, was go ahead. Just, I was just gonna say, what, what was the impetus for that? Like, what was the the big drive to to get back together and 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 play these shows? Well, um, you know, Trump had got elected, and the world was on like you know felt like the beginning of the world being on fire. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to my friend Katie Otto, um, who was you know big inspiration as as a human being. And also just as an activist and as a punk and running a label, and she was in Philly. Um, she and me were talking one night on Instagram Messenger, and I was like, I was living in Brooklyn, and I was still kind of doing stand-up comedy. Um, mostly at that point, I was like a functional cocaine addict, but I was still every once in a while going up on stage and she had asked me if I would be interested. She's like, well, if we do a benefit thing in Philly, would you want to do a comedy set? And I was like, yeah, for sure. I can meet and bring a couple of friends down, whatever. We can do comedy stuff. And then she was like, uh, that's awesome. And then 20 minutes later, she's like, do you think page 99 would do anything? And I was like, I mean, I can't speak for the dudes. I certainly would. But enough time had passed. And I was just like, we had done one reunion show at Best Friends Day, and like I'd seen the boys around, 
when they would play shows as Pygmy Lush and we were, we were friendly again. And I was like, yeah, I'd play a, a benefit show. No problem. Um, as long as it was, uh, or, you know, in my head, I'm like, as long as it's the right thing. And Katie is a well first in, um, charities and, um, and things like uh, that. Uh, yeah. Good things to donate money to. Yeah. Um, but I was like, but I can't really see the other guys doing it. And she's like, well, I'll talk to Mike. I was like, okay. And then um, Mike got in touch with me like a week later. And he's like, you, you're down for this? And I was like, yeah, man, I'll play. And then like a month and a half went by with nothing. And then Mike just texted me. He's like, take these days off work. We're going on tour. So I was like, all right. And that was that. So and we and that was when we did the the East Coast run. So everybody was like getting getting together and rehearsing the songs, and you you were kind of just like, oh, like <laughs> at, like after the fact, like. Or... No, no, no. We we nobody had gotten together at all. Oh, okay. My guess, Mike was, Mike was like kind of working on everybody to see if we there how much interest there was, if we could do it, and like, and then he. Uh, and from I think Mike's point of view, he said he talked to the majority rule guys, and then they were like, "We'll do it too." And then that was it. We were like, if they were on board, we were absolutely going to do it. So once once uh, Matt Michael agreed to it, uh, then him and Mike booked the the, West, the East Coast run. That's awesome. And when everything got, um, I think the guys were all like doing. Uh, like filming each other playing their parts and, and emailing them back and forth or just like doing that over Skype or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then like, <laughs> like most things with me and Chris, we literally showed up for the final, like two practices to relearn all our vocal parts, blew our voices out, then sat around like, um, drinking tea until it was time to play and went psycho again. But yeah. <laughs> Did you have to, uh, go on to like, um, like really bad like lyric sites and stuff to to like remember your vocals or <laughs> <laughs> no i totally just uh, had to I, do that not that long ago i remembered almost everything yeah that's awesome and like i said one of the the, the added bonuses of uh me, you know me and chris together like if there's something i didn't remember he did you know or vice versa yeah yeah well, I, ma- I imagine that's kind of like, yeah, there's, there's that, um, that reflexive nature of like musical collaboration where it's like, if you're, it's like when you're playing a song by yourself and you're like, Hey, did I go eight times or was that only seven times? But when you're playing with somebody else, it's yeah. second nature. So like when you hear that vocal come from the other end then you're like oh yeah this is it's just instinct like this is where i do it too they're just cues on each other yeah and also we played those songs so many times like we we played we just we're just like felt like we're constantly on tour to me yeah yeah um and we practiced a ton so when we were younger so it all just kind of like muscle memory almost came back yeah and before all of the, before all this, you know, everything happened this year, were y'all planning on doing more tours or? 
I mean, it, it had been in the works. Um, we're, we're always talking about possibly doing stuff. You know, it's not a full-time band. Um, everybody's got their own lives, and uh, other people play in other bands. Mike and Chris are starting up a new band right now. Or it's already like they were about to play their first show right before COVID happened, which I haven't even heard that yet. And I'm like, I'm trying to wait until I see them live to listen to them. But um, it's with Ryan Parrish from City Caterpillar and Iron Reagan and Darkest Hour. And then uh, Adam Dresco, who was the original bass player for City Caterpillar and was in Stop It. Um, like, they're incredibly talented musicians they're playing with. I'm really stoked to hear that. It's supposed to be just a, a balls out, like dirty, noisy punko band. Sounds like a, um, sounds like a no-brainer. Yeah, sounds like it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, you said you. And I'm doing like a gothy yacht rock thing. And, that's what I was going to ask about because you mentioned that earlier. Like some, hmm? something about like you said this. I don't remember what you were saying specifically, but you're like that's more like what I'm doing right now. So. Uh, I've seen, yeah, like you, uh, so how are you writing material? Are you just like loading up a, the DAW and, uh, and you just start putting down stuff or? Well, yeah, I like, um, for, like basically when COVID hit, I had just gotten my first synthesizer. Mm-hmm. So I spent like a good three months, um, just learning how to use the thing. Um, and I'm still like, it, it was, uh, I got it as a beta tester on this thing. So there were no presets, no sounds or anything like every, it's a subtractive synthesizer. So I made all my own, all my own patches for it. And, um, learned how to like the arpeggiator didn't work. The sequencer didn't work. So I got that. And then I got a drum machine and taught myself how to use that. And it, you know, again, like I'm using Reaper. So I'm just like constantly in between like writing music and then watching YouTube videos on how to record things. Like it was just like, you know what? I'm tired of relying on other people. I'm going to teach myself how to use all this shit. So it was just like learning how to record. Like I didn't know what compression was a few months ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was a whole process and you know for like the first four months of of covid i had started like developing a style of what i was going to do and then i got really really depressed because i was in brooklyn for that and you know yeah um it was just after a couple months of 24-hour day ambulances like just fucking can't do anything anymore you know yeah um so time went by and COVID like sort of loosened up and was able to work again, like on um, like bartend outside for a bit and was getting a little better. I started writing again and then I just decided to get out of Brooklyn. So now I'm down in Virginia. Um with a for living with some uh, my friend and his family. And he is a person I used to play music with, uh like we were just in a quick band together. It was like fun, poppy shit. And we started working on stuff together down here. So I'm taking the stuff that I was doing. And uh, so he's now 
It's funny how all the time I spent teaching myself how to use the synth, he's playing keyboards in the band, and we're both, uh, I'm playing bass and some guitar and programming the drums. And it's it's very nebulous right now, but it's starting to take shape, and it's all like really beautiful. Just like reconnecting with another person and, you know, just, just sitting in a basement again, uh, writing what is hopefully going to be a record uh, in a few months. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's like synthesizer, I think, is like really like the only instrument that I've ever owned that I, it just, I, it intimidates the fuck out of me. Like, I don't, like, I'm just, I just look at, I just look at it, I turn it on, I start playing with it, I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I feel like, I, I feel like when I make the noises that I'm making, I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't view this any differently than any other instrument I play, but I, I'm like, the, I'm making the noises a child would make with this, not like a person that's capable of, making music this is just like turning it on and and being like, you know like it's so i feel like there's mm -hmm. such a learning curve to it you know um there there is and it, like there's so many different things to understand too it's like but like start with what is an oscillator what do these waveforms do and then from there like okay now i from that go to like the voice control filter or you know an envelope or something like there's there's so many little things to learn on it and it's like you said it's not easy like unless you have somebody to sit down next to you and sort of show you like this is what this does like attack and decay and release and sustain that's all different things than you think it is and like you can send a certain amount of single signal to the LFO, the other amount to this. It's crazy, the shit you can do with them. And if you don't have somebody to sit down, like, for me, it's like, I was, I would just turn it off and walk away from it and then look at a YouTube video of something, somebody playing like, you know, an old Juno a 60 or a Jupiter 8, which sounds kind of like what I got. And I would watch what they were doing and then try to emulate, like, I find it's insane. It, like, yeah. it's literally an insane. It, you have to be in a weird place to really dive into them. But, like, once you start getting them, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to I be able to, like, sit down and spend a whole lot of time with it. But it's like, yeah, what are those things too where I'll sit there and I'm like I think I'm finally onto something really cool and then I press one thing or something and it's and then all of a sudden everything is different and I was like oh shit, yeah shit how do I get it back to it, the way it was before it yeah. just like doesn't happen like and then it's I'm like, so frustrating <laughs> like okay I'll, I'm gonna turn it off and turn it back on so I'm going to be at like, I'm going to be at base, base level again, start over. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, I think I just, I had a, uh, I was like, I've never been like really great at any one instrument. I just sort of play like a bunch of different things. So like I've noticed some people when they're like really good guitar players, they try to start playing synth and they're like, 
I don't want to feel like I'm starting over on this new thing and they'll just keep playing guitar with yeah. me. I'm like, I'm bad at everything. So I'll be bad at this too. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't think, I think with me, it's just, I am mediocre at a lot of things. <laughs> and, and I mean, um, mediocre is better than bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, maybe I'm like, I'm not, it's not that I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm afraid to start. It's just like, yeah, like I said, it's th that learning curve. And I, mean, I felt similar, similarly when I was first starting to use like Reaper and stuff. I was just like looking at yeah. it like, what the fuck is this? And, you know, like you said, like <laughs> what comp compression does what, you know? Like, yeah. No, I don't want any effects like, oh, on my Like, oh, this vocals. is what a bus is. Yeah. Right. And then the great thing is like you get kind of good at Reaper or whatever, and then somebody's like, "You should try Ableton." You're like, "You know what? Fuck you!" It's like, <laughs> no, uh, no, I will not do that. I actually could not. Like, there's no way that the computer that I use to record would run any of that shit because it barely runs Reaper half the time. Like the, re the re <laughs> computer I use to record is so old, it's so bad, and like I tell people stories about how i get my recordings done and they're like it blows their minds they're like what the fuck do you mean like i have to like when i got like i don't know you know 18 tracks down between all the guitars all the mm -hmm. vocals and all that and say you got like your you got like a bus for drums or whatever and but you got like eqs on the separate drums or whatever like um with that many tracks like I can't run all the EQs at the same time because it's just fucking crash, right? So like, so you have to bust it all. I well, and like, I can't even necessarily do that. Like, what I have to do is I have to pretend like I know what it's gonna sound like, and then I work so on. So you try to EQ as you record, and it, and then, and then like I do a separate part. Like, okay, so okay, so those guitars like are good. Now I turn off all the effects, like all the EQs or whatever for the guitars. And then I have to imagine in my head, like, okay, now the bass should go right here. Like it should oh go God. in this imaginary spot. And then I like get it there and then like I have to dump everything down and listen to it like as a whole. I can't listen to it as it goes. So you like EQ and, in the amps. And it's it's like it's to so, like dial in where you think it needs to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you know. Yeah, that's fucking. Just get a new computer, man. <laughs> I well, see. That's the thing is, I was I was trying to, and then you know, then this this year happened, and so it's like. Oh yeah, no. It's, you know, it's, it's like. Uh, I, was, yeah, I say that I'm like I haven't worked in eight months. Yeah, just buy a new computer. No yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I was like, because I got this. Uh, my interface has got like two channels that automatically have noise on them. Like it's just as uh -huh. it is. It's just like it's like yes, <laughs> on two channels. And so I was like, beginning, you know, fucking beginning of 2020. I was like, 2020. What the fuck? Never thought I'd live this long. And I was like, new interface, new computer. I'm gonna come out. This shit is gonna. You know, and then it was like, nah, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, you're right. Why did I think? Why did I think yeah, yeah, this whole year has been, it's been all bad. Um, like the the last thing, like I got to, uh, 
fly down to Florida to spread my mom's ashes in early March. And I had a trip planned in the early April to go to Columbia. I went, uh, we spread my mom's ashes. Me and my brother went to a water park. Me and my brother and his wife, we all went to a water park. And then I got on a plane and then the world shut down. Like I got back to New York and like worked one shift and that was it. Yeah. You know, it's just like, okay. And I, I feel like we've been just like waiting. We've all lost a year of our lives. Yeah. Because Americans are fucking stupid. Yeah. It was so like, it didn't come on quite like in this area. It didn't come on quite as quickly. Uh, so it was like, it was my, it was my birthday, which I also share a birthday with my oldest, my oldest. And, uh, so it was our birthday. It was March 10th. We went like, we went out to eat and he was like, like we knew like beforehand, he was like, you know, cause he, he was, he just turned 18. He was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move out. And we we're like, okay. So we went out to eat and he moved out and then it was, we, uh, my other band Plague Walker was supposed to go on a tour and then it was like, uh, wait, everything's fucked. Um, we should yeah. go on this tour. So we didn't go on the tour and it was like, yeah. And I haven't, haven't seen my kid since then. Like my oldest kid. Uh, it was like, Shit. yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we're still here and stuff and that's, you know, something to, that's something to, I guess, to hold on to and stuff. But, um, yeah, it's, I, you know, we, like, I've not talked about this kind of stuff this much on the show, like period. And, uh, you know, yeah. this is why, but, uh, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been something. Um, do you, um, you said that, Sorry, I just you know I don't know. You just gotta turn turn the gears altogether, I guess. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. But you said that um, you you hope that this stuff that you've been working on is going to be an album like before too long. Do you? So do you have like a a solid like set of songs that you're just like fine tuning and trying to figure out how you know you want to present <laughs> them and? Uh, not. Not so much quite. Like, I have a song or two that I've gotten recorded that um, I plan on reworking with him. Mm -hmm. um, but he's, he just, I, have you ever just, like, have chemistry with somebody? Yeah. When, yeah. like, literally everything you write together makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's just, like, just a matter of, like, plugging away a little bit, working, like, but we have like the core of seven or eight tracks now. That's awesome. Just like a solid melody. Um, like just verse, bridge, chorus, and then figuring, arranging things. Like it's all coming together pretty, pretty quickly. It's to the point where like, like today he was like, let me do this. It's like, no, no, dude, no more new songs till we <laughs> arrange the ones we have. It's just like, I, it could be chemistry. It could be we're both at a place, but it's just like there's there's so many ideas. Yeah. Every time we sit down to to work on something, it just like shit just pops. Yeah. So I'm hoping like 
through the winter time and um like five six months at least like we also we have another guy we play with who lives in dc who can't really be like he can't really play right now because of covid mm-hmm. so i mean it you know once the vaccine is available or whatever shit will be easier yeah but i'm hoping like a few months after that happens, we should have like a solid set to play. Yeah. And I'm kind of recording things as we're going, just piecemealing it all together. Mm-hmm. Now playing in like, you know, playing in like screamo bands for 20 years or whatever. Do you, did you, did you feel like when you went to write stuff like this, did you, did you feel like you looked for like a template on what, um, on what this should be like like you said like oh yeah verse bridge chorus you know like kind of um were did you just do like whatever came naturally or were you like oh shit you actually had to repeat parts and how should we go about that or was it just feeling um out? i mean every i think every song is different but you know like i I've never really been like a heavy player. Um, I've, you know, outside of Page 99, I haven't really been in any heavy bands. Oh, okay. I played guitar and sang in like a post-rock band and then uh, like a power pop band. I played bass and sang in. um, And then like I messed around with, with a couple other people, but nothing was really solid. And I just walked away from music and was doing comedy for a long time. Yeah. Um, but that started off as a hobby and then got me to New York and got some things that were on TV and then I just got tired of that. But, um, you know, I, I've never really had like an approach to music. It's, it's just been like whatever we kind of like decide as a group when we're writing. And that was my conversation with Blake Midget. Thank you so much, Blakey, for taking the time to chat with me. It was nice to go down memory lane a little bit once again. Until next time, take care and do good things. <laughs>